The Catholic Church has, for centuries, since the beginning really, been committed to this idea, this uh, concept of the natural law. The law that God writes in our hearts. It's naturally embedded there. It belongs there. We're created in that way. It's not something we have to learn or discover. It's something that is right there, right away. Moses' words in the first reading today are a good summary of the natural law. He says, For this command that I enjoin on you today is not, not too mysterious or remote for you. It is not up in the sky that you should say, Who will go up in the sky to get it for us and tell us of it, that we may carry it out? Nor is it across the sea that you should say, Who will cross the sea and get it for us and tell us of it, that we may carry it out? No, it is something very near to you, already in your mouths and in your hearts. You have only to carry it out. So Moses gives us this good idea of what the natural law is. And the natural law makes us responsible for our actions. Whether we've been instructed in the ways of the faith or not, there's this idea that we, as human beings, have been created in such a way that we know right from wrong. For instance, we know that killing is wrong. We know that stealing is wrong. We know that sexual assault is wrong. These are things that we understand simply by the natural law. The light of God's grace gives us that awareness and our conscience helps us to understand what should we do and what should we avoid. So if that's the case, why do people violate the natural law? Why do we see that people are failing to live up to that? If it's written in our hearts, how come we don't see that? Well, one of the things is that natural law informs us right from wrong. It helps us to see that, but it does not enforce that, right? So we can see what's right and wrong, but we don't always choose it. Our free will remains intact, and sometimes we choose what is evil or what is sinful. If we look around the world, we see evidence of this, right? So it's clear that law is not enough to bring order. We need judgment and enforcement of the law as well. Christians call this original sin, right? So our, our lives are affected by original sin. Our nature has been wounded by original sin. And even after our baptism, we still have this tendency to sin. We call that concupiscence. So we can know what's right, but we don't always choose what is right. And that's the tension that we live in as Christians. Now we can overcome this tendency. We can overcome concupiscence by repeated choice of what is right by God's grace, by discipline, by doing penance, by striving with God's help to overcome this tendency to sin. On the other hand, we can also form our conscience in a poor way or, or malform our conscience. Again, by choosing repeated sin in our lives, choosing what is evil, allowing our passions to rule us rather than our intellect and our reason. So our desire for different things sometimes overcomes our knowledge and our awareness that that is not good for me or that's wrong for me. Our conscience, when formed under the church by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, by the life of grace, by virtue, it leads us to know more clearly what is right and wrong. To be able to see and with precision what is going to lead us to the light, how to live under the natural law. But when we live in sin or vice, our conscience is weakened. It no longer is able to see clearly. We get lost and confused, misinformed. We sometimes struggle to know what is right and wrong. 
or what appears to be right is actually wrong. Sometimes we even get comfortable within our sin, right? We, we start to say, well, this is okay, I'm going to live this way. We see this in Catholics, the lives of Catholics and Christians, this manifest grave error that they live out of on basic Christian doctrines, the basic things, right, that we should know and that we know to be true. And their level of culpability varies according to how much freedom was involved and engaged in those decisions. So, for, for instance, if someone has been formed in the faith, maybe they went to Catholic school or they had a good home or they were formed in what is right and what is wrong, that helped them grow in that. They had that solid foundation, but then at some point in their life, began to move away from that. You know, if they no longer hold the beliefs, the basic beliefs, things like the sanctity of human life, the sanctity of marriage of man and woman, the dignity of the human person as God created them. If we flip this Catholic worldview away and instead receive a pagan or a worldly or even demonic worldview, that's a bad thing, right? That's, that's not good. We cannot start in truth and end in error and not be responsible. We are responsible, right? If we, if we make that choice away from what is right, we are responsible for that. And we might ask the question, how does that happen? Why do, why do we see that happening sometimes in people's lives or even in our own lives? Most often it happens gradually, right? It happens over time. We make little concessions on different things or different topics or different ideas and we slowly, over time, surrender what is right and true for a lie. Sometimes it's because of a moral failure, right? We, maybe we have some area that we really struggle with. And in that moment, or that experience of struggling with that, we surrender, right? We say, I cannot overcome this sin, or I cannot overcome this pattern in my life, and so I'm just going to give into it. I'm just going to say, this is how I am, and I'm just, I'm just going to, this is who I am, and I, I can't get over this. Which brings us to today's, today's gospel. There's a huge cross-section of humanity in our Western society who has been formed in the Christian worldview, but for whatever reason has lost sight of that, and they no longer follow the Christian perspective. They no longer live by it. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he uses the image of the man who's, along, who's on the side of the road. He's lying there helpless, wounded, he needs assistance. And Jesus shows us what to do for that person. Now there are some, maybe just some simple examples, clear examples in our culture today. We might say, is that person on the side of the world, that we might be tempted to walk by, just like the Levite and the priest did. So persons who struggle with LGBTQ+, plus, all those things, people who are caught up in that lifestyle, people who are involved in a, you know, the abortion industry or who have had abortions, someone who's a murderer or someone who's a drug addict or addicted to different things, people who are struggling through their marriages or maybe are divorced or remarried, someone who's suicidal, someone who has mental illness. There's lots and lots of ways in which we find ourselves as humanity alongside the road. Stranded, wounded, in need of help. And we too see these brothers and sisters of ours on the side of the road. And what's our response to that? How do we 
go about our interaction with them. It's easy to pass by, right? It's easy to pass by and just see them and say, I don't want to deal with that. I want to avoid that person. Or they might seem like enemies, right? Some of these people attack the church. They are not happy with the church and her stance because they're struggling in their own life. They're hurting, and so they lash out out of anger or fear or whatever. They might seem like a person we should shun or avoid. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. Christ tells us to go to them, to help them. To bring them back to the church, that's what the inn represents in the parable. Jesus asks us to have compassion for them, wherever they are, whoever they are. They are very often responsible for their choices. Yes, they have made choices that have led them to where they are. And they are responsible. Nonetheless, we are called to go to them, to minister to their needs, to help them, to leave them alongside the road is not just. Ultimately, we have the natural law written on our hearts, and so we do know what is right and wrong. We can recognize Christ. If we have received that grace of a good upcoming, a good upbringing, a good home, a good formation in the faith, we too are responsible to use that to help. We must love the Lord with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This is what it means to follow Jesus and to stay true to Him. It's not enough that we see the moral errors or sins or failures of our neighbors. We must also come to their aid as much as we can while still following Jesus. May God grant us the grace to love Him first and our neighbor as ourselves.